0: The Spot Track Podcast. Talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real-time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, The Athletic delivers everything you need on every sports story that matters. For access to the stories at the heart of the game, visit TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. We are also provided by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring these professionals financial solutions they need, including access to support prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the draft process. Find out more about Morgan Stanley's pre and post draft loan program at morganstanley.com slash gse. That's morganstanley.com slash gse. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Thursday afternoon. Took a little break here. Had some family time, wrote a big piece. It's an NFL quarterback contract tiers piece. So similar to what you see the guys like Mike Sando do at the athletic, similar to what fantasy owners have done in terms of tiering based on status, production projections. We take our spin on this. It's just about their contract status. Are they currently paid? How stable are they? Are they due for a payday? Can they be paid yet? All those things. I got it broken out into five tiers. I'll be posting that on .com today, tweeting that out as well. Scott and I are going to talk about the nuts and bolts of that at the back end of the show. Scott comes on first. Some interesting NBA tidbits, right? Kevin Durant's extension is not exactly what it seems to be. And there's a trend coming with that. How does that kind of compare to NFL contracts, maybe Major League Baseball contracts? Then Kemba Walker's needing a unique situation as well. Traded from Boston to OKC, bought out at OKC, signs with the Knicks. How does the money all look with the Kemba Walker situation? And it's not as... Cut and dry, as it seems as well, and it drives me bonkers. But Scott's got the numbers on that as well. Scott, welcome back. The uh, NBA free agency is dying down just a little bit. It's now more about finalizing than kind of keeping up with the rat race. Some interesting nuggets coming out of this. We kind of poked a few the last time we spoke. Um, Look, this uh, this is kind of unprecedented for me, at least, that these aren't exactly, you know, flush, four year you know true contracts there's a lot of minutia in these things Kevin Durant has an interesting breakdown why don't we start there Yeah
0: so his breakdown you know everything was reported of 1977 sure. because they were just assuming that he was going to go with the maximum amount that he could earn as an extension and when the actual numbers came out it it's actually a value of 194.2 over 4 years but the actual guaranteed amount is only 189. So he didn't even go with the full 8% raises off of the first year. There's incentives built in that are escalating incentives each year, which he had in the uh, his previous contract as
1: well. Um, I was actually going go there. With, this is not the first time he's done this, right?
0: No, it hasn't. It, the, the contract that he signed with the the Brooklyn Nets has those same kind of incentives that were deemed likely that are escalating each year. And the same thing translated into this contract extension as well. His overall amount for his cap hit was the amount that would have been his highest value that he could have had. He just split it off into a lower base with the incentives. Mm. And so his overall guaranteed money is actually less than what was reported. And you know, I, I guess, He'd rather have those incentives than the full eight percent amount. And what that could happen, what could happen with that is, if for some reason, depending on what those incentives are for, if they become deemed unlikely at some point, then his cap hit will go down by that amount and could subsequently uh, help with luxury tax. If it it doesn't
1: now, right? The fact that they're all likely to be earned up front means. The 194 and change the 48.5 average salary. You know, the luxury tax is what it is right now for them, right?
0: Right, because they're likely to be in, uh, earned, it hits the cap hit. That's what his cap it will be starting in 2022. Mm. And as soon as it becomes unlikely, then the cap hit would be reduced and the luxury
1: tax would be based off of uh, that amount. So let's because I swing more to the NFL side of this, where there's Pretty simple structure with the incentives. It's either a yes or a no, and it's annual. Whereas with the NBA Scott, you're talking about $5.1 million worth of incentives here that are spread out over four seasons. Let's say Durant gets injured, you know, in October here and he misses 75% of the upcoming season. It's not a crazy thing to say after the mile, you know, the injuries and now the mileage he's put on this summer if if he misses out on the incentives in the upcoming season, Scott, does that mean the rest of the contract's incentives are now le- unlikely to be earned?
0: Right. And at the end of the season, the likely incentive of 1.15 in 2022, that would go to unlikely as well. So, and right now he has 1.1 million for this twenty. season that would that would come off and become unlikely so his cap hit would be reduced for the 21-22 season and then subsequently anything after that would become unlikely until it's triggered again and would go back to being likely
1: when's the last time kevin durant signed a max contract Mm. was it the first contract with golden state because i believe i remember him taking less in that second contract i think he's taken at least from a base value i think he's taken less three straight contracts here
0: yeah i think you're right i'm i'm double checking
1: here to see and by, based on you know, how we're i we're talking these. pennies on the dot. you know what i mean like in the grand scheme of things but still yep look the what's the minimum cap hit for a veteran right now 1.6 about Yeah, for
0: a veteran with two years of experience or more would be if they signed a minimum
1: contract would be 1.6. Okay. So if you start to do that kind of math, right? Some of these incentive pull downs versus that minimum cap hit, that's not an accident. You know what I mean? Like that's how Brooklyn and the Lakers and these teams that are way up there with cap and tax, that's how they operate. They have to sign guys to these benefit, minimum benefit contracts. You know, they're signing maybe half of their roster, quite frankly, especially with the Lakers, right? It's a minimum guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about superstars taking one to two million less per year, that's exactly what's happening is they're allowing a roster spot to be filled with that cap. So it's it's not small potatoes in the grand scheme of things, even though it seems that when you're pulling, you're talking 194 versus 189 for Kevin Durant. It, it's the little things like this that make contenders deep enough to win. So it's it's not small potatoes, I mentioned this with you a couple days ago. You know, we talked about Tom Brady and how he's taking half of what he could have earned, and blah blah blah. You know, he restructures every two years. He essentially does one plus ones in the NFL, along the lines of some of these superstars. Kawhi Leonard and Tom Brady basically have the same contract structures over the past decade. That's just how it operates. But Tom Brady has been very, very intelligent with these with these incentives as well, Scott. That's what it. This NBA new NBA stuff is really reminding me of this this heavy annual incentives, whereas he's gonna make his money if he if he's just Kevin Durant. He's gonna get it all. He's gonna get all 194 if he's Kevin Durant. If he's injured or if things start to turn sideways, you know, maybe like LeBron might happen this year, that's money paid back to the team. That's that's cap, tax, and cash back in the team's hands. I, I think it's just good business. Tom Brady has been doing this with his teams for the past decade. And not only has he been doing it from a, you know, uh, a possible decrease in his production perspective, which certainly didn't happen last year, he's allowing teams to say, you know, I'm going to bet on myself. I think I'm going to make that money, and he has. But because of the way that the NFL works, Scott, if you, for instance, from last contract to this contract with Tom Brady, when he did this simple restructure, and he basically just converted his twenty-five million dollars guaranteed salary into a bonus added void years, dropped his cap immensely over the next two seasons. I mean, we're talking his cap was $25 million six months ago. It's 10.5 now. And next year, the year he added is only 17. <laughs> so and you can imagine, uh, you know, how, how thankful some of those Tampa Bay players are that Tom Brady did what he did basically getting an extra 25 million out of the process in terms of cash. But incentive wise, if we're comparing to, to Durant here, this is what Tom Brady has done the past couple of iterations. He's added those production-slash-winning-slash-playing-time incentives. I, I imagine that's that's what Durant will have as well when, when we get the actual breakdown, Scott. But what he's done is he's added one little thing, right? Like, all right, if he, if he played 74% of the snaps last year, I'll go ahead and make it 75% this year, making it a little bit harder for me to earn it. At the same time, it makes it not likely to be earned. Do you understand what I'm saying? And by doing do. that... He's now saving an extra 2.25 million on the Bucks cap by just one little trigger. Or, and this has been the new wrinkle in the NFL, and I wonder if this is even allowed in the NBA. Something for Keith maybe to look up. A lot of what these guys have been doing is saying, and Aaron Rodgers has done this as well, is let's just keep the same set of incentives because you know there's only a certain amount of incentives each position can kind of have, right? Passing incentives. Um, you know, rushing incentives, catching incentives, that kind of thing, kicking incentives. Let's keep the same set, the criteria, and and bring it into the next contract. However, we're going to bring a team wrinkle to this or an attendance wrinkle to this. I've seen that in baseball quite a bit. So for instance, player's got to do everything he does, right? He's got to have an an X passer rating. He's got to throw 25 touchdowns. He's got to have 300 yards passing, whatever it is, to trigger his, his max incentives. And at the same time, the team receiving rating has to be eighty-one or something like that. You understand what I'm saying? And in baseball, I remember Edwin Encarnacion recently with the Cleveland Indians. I got to do X, you know, I've got to hit X home runs. I've got to have an OPS of you know over eight hundred. And the attendance rate for the Cleveland home games, you know, they have to hit two point eight million. Butts in the seats in Cleveland over the course of this season, and if all those things happen, I get my my max bonus. So there's these little wrinkles that are being added in A to make them not likely to be earned in the NFL, which really reduces cap quite a lot in the current year. But B still still pays out the NFL player most likely at the end of the season. So there's some real creativity happening, and I wonder, Scott, if this is just the start of what's going to happen in the NBA. Because look,
0: actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go cut ahead. you off there. If you have because a story, It's already please. happening. Yeah. It's already happening, and actually, it's happening with the Brooklyn Nets. The current contracts for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, have team-based incentives built in. So, for example, when you look at Kevin Durant, his incentives right now are you have to meet the following: the Nets make the playoffs the Nets win at least 43 games. Durant has at least 50 games and Durant makes an all-star team. So two of those incentives are team-based. Then if you go and look at Kyrie Irving's, his has eight categories of incentives. Some of them are uh, stat-based for him, but then there's a few others that are wrinkled in there that uh, if the Nets score at least certain amount of points per 100 possessions or allow fewer than a certain amount of points per 100 possessions. So the Nets have already started getting into these team aspects of the incentives
1: in addition to player incentives as well. Super fascinating stuff. And I love it. I love that there's accountability kind of from every angle. You know, for these superstars, it's it's a really smart way to do business, both from a cash and a cap standpoint, because, look, it's a cliche thing with Brady, right? He's been taking less or he's been maneuvering elsewhere to allow things to happen. It's at a max level right now. You know, all 22 starters back. He's one of the big reasons why. A, because he's there. B, because his contract did what it did. It dropped 15 million in cap this year. Which brought in at least three other contracts. If you look at this, the the current cap hits of like a Levante David, Shaq Barrett, you know Leonard Fournette, I'm gonna guess without you know knowing off the top of my head that those three cap hits combined this year are right around that 15 million saved by Tom Brady. Just knowing how those things were structured with void years this year, so it, it matters, and it matters a lot in the NBA when you're talking about a 12 man roster versus a 53 in the NFL. So as this stuff progresses and as cap matters less to nba nba teams let's let's not you know keep that closeted that's that's a real thing right now cap is a myth in the nba scott it, it ex- it's a hard cap in the nfl so while it's flexible and fluid in the nfl it, it's still at the end of the day the the bottom line i mean can do you even have a guess in the nba right now how many teams are well over the the current cap threshold in the nba every
0: team but one
1: who OKC San Antonio
0: San Antonio right now based off of what we've what we have in but every other team is over the cap when you include the cap holds because they weren't renounced and that kind of stuff and so right now every team and once the season starts every team is most likely going to be over um because of one reason or another but yeah, you're right. The, the cap is an illusion. Totally. For More, so right now. More so than ever.
1: More so than ever.
0: Absolutely. And, and as we talked about the last few weeks here between you and me and including Keith, is the sign and trade has allowed teams to operate with that illusion still there. But
1: Explain having, why for the people who don't understand the NBA money too much, Scott. Explain why signing somebody in free agency versus acquiring them via sign and trade is so different.
0: So, signing a straight free agent, they, a, a team would have to have cap space. So, a team like the Knicks, a team like the Charlotte Hornets, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, those teams had cap space. So, they can sign those players that they are outright with not needing any rights or anything like that. They just sign them with what they have available. For teams like, um, you know, Chicago Bulls or, uh, the Pelicans, you know they' they're signing team, they're signing players via sign in trades because they're already over the cap. So what ends up happening is a player like um, Lonzo Lonzo Ball, he signs with the pelicans using the bird rights but is immediately in the same transaction traded to the Chicago Bulls. So it, it, they're signing it with the rights but then trading and the rights are transferred to Chicago. Now Um, the, the the caveat with this CBA in this case is he was only able to get a maximum of 5% raises on that first year, as opposed to if he just signed with the Pelicans straight up and stayed, it would have been
1: 8% now. But, and just to to clarify when you acquire somebody via trade, Scott, you don't have to do so with cap space. That's the caveat, right? That's the difference. V- versus stoked, versus an outright free agent signing, you have to have cap space to do it. Not with a trade,
0: right? But you can. So in Demar Derozan's case, the San Antonio Spurs to create as much space as they could, they've they've renounced almost everybody on their roster, including Demar Derozan. So what they did, they still signed and traded him with <laughs> Chicago, but they signed him using their cap space and then traded him as a sign and trade to the Chicago Bulls.
1: So did that create but, a gigantic trade exception? Uh, it, it, TBD? Waiting to
0: see. <laughs> what t, it, it is TBD. We're, we're waiting on some official numbers to come in on players like that. Um, and, and what the math actually worked out in some cases. Yeah. So, Once we do get the master official list, um, Keith uh, and I will get that information in. But you're right. The illusion is there. The sign and trade teams are realizing that these salaries are so high right now that the only way to maneuver any movement between teams is these sign and trades or just to trade a player before they're a free agent so that you acquire their rights. So if you know in two years, you there's this player that's on your radar you may see a team want to make that trade now because they'll acquire those rights and then they can sign them uh, to you know using their bird rights or their early bird rights to stay over the cap and and go from there
1: okay we got down a pretty nerdy rabbit hole there let's finish it off with Kemba Walker Kevin yes. Walker is traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder, the transition team, the mediator team. I'm going to call him for the next iteration. Boston gets out of this contract. Boston sends a first in order to get out of this contract. Oklahoma City keeps him for a cup of coffee. They buy him out with the condition of $20 million yes. being pushed aside. So in other words... He was owed $73.6 million left in that contract. And Oklahoma City will eat $53.6 million of that. $20 million has gone away. He signs with the Knicks. Scott, what did he sign with the Knicks for uh, officially now?
0: Two for 17.89. And I say that specifically because the reports are coming out that it was two for 18. But based (laughs) on the actual dollar amounts that are getting pushed in. It is uh, two for 17.89. So the first year is eight point seven, second year is 9.2 if you round up. Those are both guaranteed values. Um, but the, the piece that is here is these are tradable salaries. So if for some reason they need to sure. dump them again, it could happen. The interesting thing is they signed them with cap space, but they did not add a team option or non-guaranteed on the back end. It's straight – two years that are guaranteed. So, um, but they have left themselves flexibility that it's only a two year deal instead of, you know, a three or a four year
1: deal. Okay. A couple of questions here. Number one was, is the 8.7 million this year for Kemba Walker, was that some sort of max or is that no, just a number?
0: It's just a, well, it, it probably may have been calculated based on the signings that they've already agreed to. Okay. But, he was signing with cap space, so he could have signed with them for as much cap space that they had available. But if you look on their the Knicks page right now, Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, Taj Gibson, none of those contracts have come to be official yet. Soon as they uh, we get word that they are official, we'll, we'll kick them down into the active roster view. But they're specifically signing in an order because they want to make sure they're maximizing all the cap space that they have. Then Derek Rose, my guess, will be last uh, because he'll sign with rights. Taz Gibson is a minimum, so he'll be last. My guess is uh, Evan Fournier is most likely going to be the next piece to go official. Okay.
1: Last question on Kemba. It's a pretty easy one. The OCD in me is kind of going bonkers with this. He gives up $20 million to get bought out by OKC. But he signs for seventeen point eight nine million. Do you understand why he gave up two point one million dollars here, Scott? Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just take a twenty million dollar contract, two for twenty? Did the Knicks just not have the cap space to do that? Possibly. I just Maybe. don't understand that logic, especially going to a high tax state like New York. It should take more. <laughs>
0: <You know? laughs> but it, it most likely does come down to how much official cap space that uh, the Knicks would have had to work with. Um,
1: yeah. That, that's my <laughs> guess too, is there was some accounting that forced the 8.7 million to exist. It's, I'm just kind of going bonkers with it in my head. Why would you take less? He got thrown around to three teams here because he wanted,
0: he, because he wanted to be in New York. He did not want to be in Oklahoma city. Yeah, so but he,
1: There's a sports business angle to this. You know what I mean? The Knicks yeah, wanted him I mean, anyway. I just wonder. I wonder why he took 2.1 less. That's all. That's all. Yeah, it,
0: it, it'll... I mean, we if we backtrack and, and do the math after everything is said and done with trades and, and whatnot, because right now, I mean, the Knicks have um, those three aspects there. And, and if we follow the timeline, we could probably figure out how much was left at the time of his signing yes. to see...
1: Um, Are they hard-capped? No, right? No, they are not. Yeah, they're in pretty good shape yeah. in terms of uh, roster flexibility. Yeah. And it, like you said, there's six contracts on this roster that can be traded after December.
0: And that and that's a great point. Right now, we have uh, seven teams that are hard capped. And remember, hard capping is because of a sign and trade. If they use um, their non-taxpayer mid-level exception, that is more than what the taxpayer amount would be. And if they use their biannual. So right now we have seven teams that are hard capped last season. We had 18 or 19 that were hard capped. So less so far this year. Um, But it's a notable point because those teams that are hard capped that are, have high values. It, it it hurts them with the luxury tax apron that that means they are hard capped and cannot go over and to get nerdy, any of the unlikely incentive mm. that are built into a contract, those count towards that hard cap. Right. Because if they do trigger, they have to be accounted for so that they cannot go over that that hard cap
1: at all. That's right. And it makes it harder come deadline time as well if you're trying to yes. get better and build some, uh, build some pieces on there. All right, Scott, let's take a quick break and talk some football. Today's episode is brought to you by Balance Bridge Funding, providing cost friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balance Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a prepayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost effectively, avoid broker fees, and no prepayment penalties if you decide to pay it all back early. Whether your client is under contract and looking for a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking for a new deal, or any other reason to borrow, let Balanced Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client. Visit balancedbridge.com today. That's balancedbridge.com. All right, Scott. I uh, took some time here on the NFL from an article standpoint. All this talk about fantasy and quarterback tiers in terms of you know who belongs where who's elite who's not elite who don't we know about yet who's still kind of a tbd and look there's a there's a sports business side to this isn't there and every every year i sort of try to follow up that that conversation with our own version of that conversation which is something i've posted recently to spotret.com and i will tweet out today as well the nfl quarterback contract tiers i know you've had a chance to browse this
0: yeah it's really good i i as I was reading through there were some names that I totally forgot about. And then there were some names I was like, oh yeah, you're right that they're they're on their way to a potential payday as you you broke it down here. I, I really like the financial spin. Obviously, that's what we do, but you know, I, I've heard a couple different quarterback tiers. I know what is it, Mike Sando, I yeah, think does the quarterback tiers. And so I, I like the financial spin to this instead of just
1: production wise. Well, we have a huge dynasty dynasty fantasy audience. and I always have them in mind when I'm doing these kind of things because it's about, you know, who could be up for the next payday, who's kind of stable in their contract, right? So if you've got, oh, I mentioned Brady, right? Brady's stable through two years now. I, I don't think there's any chance he's retiring after this year. you know, Matt Ryan, probably a different story. Drew Locke, totally different story, right? So it's it's neat to kind of look at these things one at one at a time and understand that single person's role, not only right now, but and not only next year, but maybe from a three-year standpoint when you're looking to draft somebody or maybe bring in somebody in as a backup role for your Dynasty fantasy roster for the, all those kind of things. So there's two at the top here. We'll kind of go through each segment quickly just to allow people to kind of read this on their own in their own time. But the two obvious ones that get our way first, burning a hole in their pockets, right? They're 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 in line for a payday. I don't know if it's gonna happen this summer. It's getting late quick here, isn't it? Um, I don't know if there'll be negotiation through the year. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, there's been discussions for months now. Baker, I think, has tabled those. I I don't think he's happy with what he's heard, and nor should should he. He's not a $40 million quarterback yet, according to anything that I've been able to put together or in my own personal thinking on this. And he knows that the team around him right now is damn good, Scott, really good. And maybe the, the division around him isn't as good as it has been. So I think he's got a real chance to dominate that division and get himself into a serious postseason run if he plays good football himself. So I think it's perfectly fine for him to believe he should better himself this year. And I think it's perfectly fine for Cleveland to, to allow that to happen as well, because if they're paying him $45 million next year, it's because something really great just happened. I don't know what to think about Lamar Jackson, and I wonder if you have some outside thoughts on this. Lamar Jackson is repping himself. Um I'm sure there's people involved who know what they're doing and are helping them structure and are helping them with numbers and, and where to go and how long and all that good stuff. If you're Lamar Jackson right now, Scott, knowing that Ravens team and maybe knowing its deficiencies, is that a team going forward or backwards? You know what I mean? Like, a, should you be really pushing hard to get a deal done right now because of what could be coming for that team?
0: Probably not. I
1: mean, if
0: you're going to sign up, if he can get to the, 44 and a half or whatever it may be, yeah. that's really gonna strap that team even more right. depending on how the structure is. You know, if if they structure it similar to you know Alan Mahomes, where you have two years of friendly cap hits and but then it balloons in that third and fourth year, uh long term, I, I don't know if the Ravens are are ready for that. Um I don't so do you do you, do you put that cart before the horse in this case and or do you do you slow play and for lack of a better comparison do you hope the joe flacco situation happens where lamar can get you super deep maybe to the super bowl maybe win it and then you just have to pay him because he got you to the promised land in the last year that's
1: that's the baker conversation too um, I just see the, the Browns as much more set up from a roster standpoint. You know, when I quickly uh, look down yes. the, the Ravens roster here, there's an awful lot of guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents next season, like in March. It's almost an all-in year for this team right now. If I look at most of the defense, most of the secondary, much of the edge rush, they've been kind of nitpicking this stuff. There's not, there's not, you know, a one guy outside of Ronnie Stanley who's been locked up long term, of course. There's not really one guy in this roster where you're going, oh, yeah, this core is set. You know, They're here forever. Tyus Bowser's got a nice contract, but that's kind of small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. And, of course, Marlon Humphrey has two, two and a half more years of real strong guarantees. That's it. If we're talking cornerstone pieces, that's it. That's just not a team that's ready to have a monster five-year guaranteed quarterback contract knowing that they have to build so much back up. So I'm with, I, I think that's the right way to look at it, Scott, the way you brought it up is... We've talked about this a lot. Timing is everything. If I'm Lamar Jackson, that, f- that $23 million fifth year option is just fine for me right now for next season. You know you know what I mean? If I've got to start there and let this team sort of progress more, maybe, maybe some of these rookies take steps forward, and then you know that you've got more of a core, even if it's a young and cheap core, it's there. I, I look at Baltimore versus Cleveland, and it's kind of neat that we've got those two teams so closely linked. And I'm I'm way favoring Cleveland for their roster and their situation with their quarterback right now, even though of all the guys we've mentioned, even Josh Allen, Lamar's got better numbers and he's got an MVP under his belt. Lamar should easily be the biggest contract of, of this whole conversation. I just don't know if it's the right time and it's the right number yet. I, I, there's so many unknowns. I can't believe he's repping himself. That's how I'm going to finish that conversation. I can't believe it. I can't believe he's trying to do this on his own knowing that Baltimore has so much experience with this and I think they can push him around. I really do. Yeah,
0: I, I think you're right. In, in both teams, the, the they, they can slow play it. They don't have, you know, they, whether or not Mayfield and Jackson's reps and Jackson repping himself comes to the table with a contract, yeah. you know, the, the, each team has the right to say, no, we're going to wait. And if we have to, we'll we'll franchise tag you. Uh, um, I agree. We'll do it again. And if if you're Mayfield and Jackson, and you know you're not going to get your forty five, do you in your mind have to reset and do what some of the players in the NBA do? Sure. I'm gonna sign a two-year deal. maybe throw a, a rare player option for that third year that says ah, or even a club option if you want to go that route, but do a two-year deal to bypass at least the next two years of franchise tags and then get go out and be a free agent. and if if you light the world on fire, extend or go from there, but you know may, maybe taking it not the ultimate maximum, And just locking up some guaranteed money for two years, maybe at, you know, 30 or whatever it may be. Maybe it might be more advantageous to these two players instead of having to play out their contract and hold out for max, max money.
1: Doesn't doesn't this situation feel like Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz got paid early after year three, just like this with Lamar that roster wasn't ready. They had some defensive players, but that roster yeah. wasn't ready, ready, ready. You know what I mean? Obviously I Nick Foles took him to the promised land, but I, and I'm looking now in Fanduel. by the way, the Ravens are the third best favorite team in the AFC chiefs, bills, Ravens, then Browns. So it's not like this team isn't being anticipated to win. They're there. They're right there in contention. You know, if we're talking about the West, it's bucks Packers Niners. So there's your top six in terms of AFC NFC. So this could be a moot point. You know, this team might be might win this year. They might win the whole damn thing, and then what? Reset next year? That's what the last Ravens team did. Quite frankly, after signing Joe Flacco, is that what is this going to be? You know, deja vu in Baltimore. They're going to win the Super Bowl, pay the quarterback, and the rest of the roster is going to have to get gutted. Essentially, (laughs) I think that's what's happening. And, And if if you're the Ravens, is it worth it to go all in this year? and then pay a gigantic monster quarterback contract knowing you have to start over everywhere else. It's really something to think about. It's a fascinating way to look at this because it seems logical to the outside fan, right? It's just, yeah, this guy's the quarterback for the next five years. Who cares what else happens, right? Right.
0: Or or does Baltimore learn from their mistake and they get to the promised land, they win the Super Bowl, and they still don't extend him and just let him walk? It's impossible then, though. That's impossible. it, It does, but... With the it's way, impossible. but, but let, let me phrase it this way, with the way that we've seen this rookie scale and these quarterbacks being, you know, molded and coming in and winning by the second or third year. Let me, let me poke a hole
1: in that though, Scott, if you win, you're dead last in the draft. You are. So you, you're but, not getting a quarterback, <laughs> but
0: there's always a trade, well, I,
1: obviously, except for Lamar can, Jackson, who was 32nd in the draft. <laughs> So I guess that pokes a hole in my own theory. So look, it's it's just a crapshoot. You know how this works. They're not letting him walk. No chance in hell. They might let him wait though. They might let him wait till next year. I just think it'll be an interesting dynamic from a total roster standpoint for each of these two, two players individually, right? If they make Baker wait, great. He's on a great team. He's in a great position to even get better and higher valuations. I'm not sure Lamar has that opportunity is the point. He's already as high as I think he's going to get. And even if Baltimore wins at all, it's the same contract. It's just a year later. So I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic. All right, let's move on to the second tier. On their way to a payday. So they're a year away. Either they change teams or their contract is almost at a point where it's extendable. Or in in the case of like a Kyler Murray, one more year before he's extension eligible. What do we think about Kyler Murray? Isn't it just a similar conversation to what we're having here? There's a lot a lot of ups, a little bit of downs. It's a team that is really built itself the past two seasons. I wanna see him on the field. I'm sure they do as well. They're looking to see how this looks now on you know, not just on paper, but it looks better to me on paper, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I would completely agree with that statement. And we're in the same boathouse as jackson and mayfield you got to see where you're going to go with the pieces another year with the pieces that are around them give them another year with hopkins see how that defense is moving forward they're in a tough division with seattle and san francisco and 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 the rams so it's going to be a slugfest out west there but you've got to see the progression of of what he can do with the pieces that are around him now
1: i agree I think it's a perfect perfect setup for Kyler Murray. He's on a better team. He's one year away from eligibility. They could have a huge season, and then he could go. He and his agent could sit down and say, "All right, it's time. Here we go." He's already at thirty nine million according to our system, Scott. So if he has a great year and that team has a great year around him, I mean, we're going to be talking about big, big numbers, huge numbers up there with Lamar. So this, uh, this football this, versus baseball thing has really panned out thus far,
0: and. Th- it's so interesting that, you know, we've been talking about the the contract extensions in the NBA with Trey Young, D- Luka Doncic with his super max rookie extension and, you know, SGA and some of these other guys that are getting these values because the contract maximum keeps going up. Um, and so they're hitting on the 25 or the 30 percent. We're seeing a similar situation in the NFL where this new rookie scale that has been in the league for, since 2011 now, it's really starting to come to fruition where these guys are starting to bank on their s- potential se- second contract here and really lock down high-value money sort of like we have seen money. in the NBA. Early, Early money. Right.
1: Yeah. It's no longer about 10 years in. That's kind of a pipe dream for many of these players now. Um, I mean, even the Wences and the Goff's, right? Isn't there a chance one of those players doesn't see 10 years in this league? I think it's possible.
0: Oh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, you
1: know, I think it's possible that they flame out here in the next couple of years, one of them, maybe both of them based on injuries. But yeah, it's about getting your payday now and they're getting they're getting better at making that happen, I think, is the is the cap on your point, which is if you're worth anything at the quarterback position, you're getting paid. You're getting paid after year three or year four or definitely after year five. And if you're not, you're going down Dak's route or Kirk Cousins' route. And it's really good news financially at that point. So Kyler Murray is number one in this next get paid list. I've got Derek Carr here. Uh, No need to extrapolate that too much because I I know Gruden loves him. I know Mack loves him. He's got he's on a very friendly contract right now that expires after the season. So there's a... uh, There's a good, good chance that if he's Derek Carr and he's been very, very good the past couple of seasons, he just gets another contract and that team just continues to move forward. There's also a chance that they acquire Aaron Rodgers in March. So so I'm just going to leave that hanging right there. Speaking of getting acquired in March, Matthew Stafford joins the Rams. They agreed to kind of keep his contract where it is. There's two years left. If he has the year Vegas and a lot of people think he's going to have, he's going to be making $47 million a year next year. Lock it in. Guarantee it. It's going to happen. And he's going to be the king of the Business Hall of Fame. I mean, the king.
0: Oh, absolutely. The king.
1: <laughs> because he started before the rookie wage scale, and he's going to be finishing way, way up there, close to $50 million a year. The Saints, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, they're on one-year deals. That's all that has to be said. There's so much that has to happen before there's any kind of discussion with their contracts, even though. If Winston throws 15 touchdowns in the first three games, we're going to be talking about 40 million a year for him by week four. So that's just, that's just how it all operates. And Russell, Russell Wilson's in this list. Um, he'll have two years left after this year. So right now he has three years left, which they're not touching. That's, you know, there's a lot going on there. Speaking of team building, right? There's a lot going on there. If Seattle's not good, if they're just good, not great. We're going to have the same offseason we just had with Russell Wilson, only now he can also include, and I want a new contract because there's going to be two years left and they can rip it up and start over. So talk about drama. You know, there could be added drama to Russell Wilson's situation in the next eight months if things don't go perfect in Seattle. All right, moving on. Scott, why don't you take this one? Which players need a big year or need maybe a miracle in some cases? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, the list that you have here, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going to start with Sam Darnold because he does Those four need four players a big should
1: year. never be together, by the way, in a
0: conversation, but they are. <laughs> they are, but you're right. They are in – Sam is in a big year for him, having been traded from the Jets to Carolina – you know, we've been talking about him needing to be off that jets team because they just weren't ready for him. I think now with the pieces that are around him in Carolina, if he, if he plays well, he's going to get paid well. And this is his opportunity. If he, if he goes there and he flames out, it is, it is strictly him and not the pieces around him.
1: Yeah. He's going to, he's got one year to prove that it, it was the jets that screwed him up and not vice versa. So who's got the better chance here to be really successful in 2021? I mean, I, I can't even say drew lock because I'm not even sure he's going to play.
0: I, I'm actually going. I'll go Daniel Jones. Yeah. For the fact I think that's that right. They, they, they added some weapons as far as, uh, Ken, Kenny Galladay, yeah. um, Saquon should be Saquon back. is going to be coming back. So hopefully he is close to hundred percent. So I'm, I'm going to say Daniel.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's, probably right i mean ben could surprise us here it looks like he's really going for it but ben's on a one-year deal obviously restructured you know darnold's on a two-year deal His his option next year is fully guaranteed that doesn't it's only 19 million and i I realize that's a ton of money that's tradable that's releasable there's you know i I wouldn't put anything past the panthers if sam darnold is terrible next year so just keep an eye on that for sure and drew Locke is non-guaranteed at this point so i'm not even sure he plays i think bridgewater probably wins that job out of camp and then who knows we shall see over the next couple of weeks all right quickly moving on playing for his next team uh, matt ryan maybe they restructured of course because they had to they've restructured him four times they couldn't trade him they couldn't release him the dead cap is insane it's not much better next year but if they have to they'll get out of it next year and they'll start this thing over the problem scott is that i think that offense got a lot better this year so of all these players, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, and a kind of a sleeper here, Kirk Cousins. I think Matt Ryan might have the best bounce back here. You know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to bounce back. He's the freaking MVP. But I think Matt Ryan could be a, a fantasy yeah. sleeper uh, and a real life sleeper. And that offense as a whole should find itself with some new toys to play with. Just something to think about. I, I don't think it's, yeah, it's I, a I, it's a sure thing that he's out of there, you know?
0: I, yeah. I agree. I agree, yeah. especially with how they played last year. There were, you know, those games that they played were came down to less than six points, yeah, in one like touchdown. 14, 14, of, 14 of those games or something like that. So they could have easily been 12 and four as opposed to four and 12. And so I don't think it's, you know, and he's probably one B behind Stafford for (laughs) the business Hall of Fame with the amount of money that he's had and restructuring and everything like that. So I I agree. He is going to be one to watch, especially with, like you said, those tools on that team right now. Jimmy Garoppolo,
1: more likely to start eight weeks in San Francisco, be outright released from San Francisco at, at any point in time, uh, Traded at the deadline okay. or finishes his contract and joins the Patriots next year.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. What's his finishing the
0: contract means he's going to be on that team in 2022. Yeah. Mm. I- I'll say he'll be on the roster through this entire year. Okay and then he'll be released but he will be there for the entire year to and Trey, Trey Lance is going to get his shot he you know just i have a feeling and Jimmy you, you don't get rid of him you I at least have him right. in the locker room yeah. for you know yes it's going to be a a higher paid backup but i'd rather have Jimmy Garoppolo as a higher paid backup behind Trey Lance, when he gets to start, then bringing someone off the street for six hundred and fifty grand yeah. to to try to help and mold and and give him the
1: experience that Jimmy has had. Kirk Cousins is thirty five million guaranteed next year, fully guaranteed already next year. So they're not going to release him out of Minnesota, but I guess it's possible that they find a trade partner. Maybe they have to pay some of that money. You know, maybe a lot of that money. Uh, I I just can't see Kirk Cousins there next year. I can barely see him there this year, but he's there this year. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's certainly one to watch. That's already awkward and we're still like 18 months away from, you know, the reality of it all happening. It's totally good for now. Josh Allen, of course. Dak Prescott, of course. Patrick Mahomes, of course. I mentioned Brady. He's pretty locked in for next year. I I don't think he's going anywhere, nor do I think he'll restructure. I mentioned how low that cap hit was already. It's 10 and a half this year, it's 17 next year. That should be good for the Buccaneers to operate with for the next two seasons. And Ryan Tannehill is fully guaranteed next year as well. So I don't imagine that they'll touch that. He's got some new toys to play with. That's a team that should be trending upward, not downward. I believe he'll get this and next year to kind of figure that out and see if they can get to the finish line. The only other name here, Scott, is is Deshaun. Contractually speaking, he's good. I mean, his money doesn't even really kick in until next season. So he's he's cheap right now. His signing bonus has been paid. Obviously, a lot of moving parts. Obviously, some of this stuff could get repaid if things get really bad legally for him. Whether he plays or not, the contract is good. So in terms of this article and this discussion, that's all that matters. Even if he's traded, I don't think they're ripping it up. I don't think they're going to start over. Teams should be pretty happy with how this contract looks You know, now that the signing bonus and things have been taken away from it. So I, I just think he's... Locked in contractually. The rest is completely unknown. Can't be touched yet. Unextendable because they're too young. Yeah. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Tua, Zach Wilson, Jalen Hurts. Any of those guys questionable, even though they're unextendable? Hmm probably the wilson and Hertz
0: at this point yeah maybe maybe two I'd say definitely two <laughs>
1: yeah, I'd say definitely <laughs> two I,
0: I think the first 3 that you said burrow lawrence herbert I think that those are going to be a lock for extensions on paper um yeah. But those last three Tua, Wilson hurts. Yeah, we we've got to see more. It's similar to the other conversations we've had with some of these other quarterbacks. We we gotta see a little bit more, especially Wilson being fresh in New York. Can, can he survive that that team that what's around him because Sam Darnold wasn't able to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly something. Yeah. Who knows is the final tier. Who knows? Andy Dalton? Because I just don't believe it. <laughs> there's no reason Justin Fields shouldn't get that start. Um, and Andy Dalton is a perfectly fine $10 million backup quarterback. Good enough. Uh, similar conversation in your neck of the woods, right? Ryan says Patrick's about the same. He's only making 5 million though, 6 million, excuse me. And Taylor Heineke locked in two years, basically 3 million, right? Not even one and a half, I think. Um, what are you hearing? Have you heard anything? Is there even a chance Taylor Heineke wins this job?
0: I'll be full transparency. I've been so locked in on NBA stuff, yeah. I have not heard or seen.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure either are fantasy options. So, if that's how you're approaching this article or this discussion, you're probably staying clear there anyway. But it's, it's just a who knows situation. Cam Newton, who knows? You know, Mac yeah. Jones seems like he's competent early on here. We'll see what happens in the preseason. His Cam Newton's contract is extremely incentive laden speaking of incentives, Scott, so a lot can happen. He can make a little bit. He can make a little bit more. He can make a lot. I don't, I don't expect any of that to really happen. I think he's just kind of a guy in a roster right now. And I, I expect Mac Jones to blow past them at some point. Unfortunately, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, the aforementioned they're on the who knows list. Why Carson Wentz has an injury. Carson Wentz has a new team. Um, so who knows? He's fully guaranteed, basically through next year. Twenty million already fully guaranteed next year. The, the Eagles just let him go for thirty-three million dollars at dead cap. So the Colts will certainly let him go for about that, you know, you know, less than that if things go bad this year. In other words, he's not on any kind of stable ground. And Jared Goff's only got fifteen point five million guaranteed next year. And Detroit could be a complete disaster. Detroit could be the number one overall pick in twenty twenty two. So I, I realize that that a change of scenery should be good for both of these guys, and hopefully it is. But if things go bad or even average they could both be out of here in 2022 and there's really no no way around that. The uh the position has become too important and the money isn't scaring anybody off anymore. So they're on extremely shaky ground in their new homes as it is. And do any of these quarterbacks we just talked about get moved now or during the season, Scott? Any of them? I could think of one.
0: Okay. I guess it depends on it, barring a massive, massive injury where, well, you Deshaun, know Deshaun, let's put
1: him in his own category. Yeah. He probably could yeah. get traded if things go well. News wise. I, I think that drew Locke has to get the hell out of Denver. I, I don't even think it's worth staying anymore. Find yourself a new home. They did this with Trevor Simeon. Remember like he, they took him way too yeah. high in the draft. He completely imploded. That gave him a couple of, of ample chances and he had to get the hell out of town. I think Drew Locke has to go. Um, everyone else, I guess, is fairly stable.
0: I, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say no. Yeah. No one's gonna move because the the conversation that we just had. I mean, in a, as a mental note, we've mentioned six or seven quarterbacks that could be on the move for 2022. Sure. And you know, we've we've had the conversation in the last few years of quarterbacks moving, and you know. 2022 is going to be no different even though we have the rookie scale, even though we have some of these veterans. Th- th- I think this upcoming season, uh, 2022 off season, could be the most intriguing uh off-season for the NFL because of the fact that Wilson could move, Rodgers could
1: move, and uh, it, a, a minimum 15 million dollar cap jump. We're projecting right, it to right. like 203. Right? Right. I mean, it's it, you're going to have room. You're going to have room.
0: And that's significant in more than one way, especially in the quarterback, because the the franchise tag is based on that percentage. So if that jumps up a lot, then we're dealing with higher franchise tags for those guys that could get nailed with that. So I, I think the 2022 year for quarterbacks could be even more interesting mm-hmm. than what we've been talking about for the last. 18 months when we were dealing with the Dak, is he going to get extended and Wilson and the Roger scenarios Exhausting. all off season? I think this upcoming next, you know, 12 months
1: could be even more intriguing than we've just had. Does Green Bay have to win? Or does it not even matter? You think? <laughs>
0: I, I, I I pause because If Green Bay does win.
1: Does he just retire?
0: You know, that is an option.
1: That's what I would do. Just freaking retire, man.
0: Knowing how competitive he is, he would love to go to another team and then just, you know, show him that you were wrong and I'm right. And let me ask you this. Let me rephrase this. Is there any scenario, and I know the there's bad blood right now, but is there any percentage of a scenario that Jordan love is actually the one that moves (laughs) instead of Aaron Rodgers?
1: If, if Rogers wants to stay, you have to trade Jordan love because the rookie contract is gone at that point. You have to do it. Like you just got to do it. I was
0: thinking of that same thing the last two days here in some of these conversations that I've heard with him. And I'm like, you know, by the time Jordan love actually starts playing, He's going to be in the, what, fourth year of his contract. And we're already yeah. seeing, you know, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, all these guys, Kyler Murray, they've been playing for three years and we know what we have in them. No one knows what we have in Jordan Love at all.
1: It's fascinating. Very. He, I mean, his career might be totally toast before we even get there. But yeah, how how funny would that be if the Broncos end up acquiring Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers? Oof. That's a... Uh... That's a different set of circumstances. Let's put it it that way. All right. I'll tweet this thing out. Uh, Like I said, I put a lot of time into this little description for all these scenarios. Links to their contracts. You can kind of see where they're going. Many of these players have market values up as well. So those players that are looking for a new payday, you can kind of see where we stand from our algorithm standpoint as well. Scott, good stuff on you. Keep tracking the NBA stuff. We'll have Keith back next week as well to break down maybe more of a, a recap right at that point where where, yeah, where the chips have fallen, where the trades have now landed now that they're becoming official. Some yeah, of his he's working favorites, on some yeah.
0: best value, worst value, recaps. He, he's, a, he's working on all that stuff right now.
1: Good stuff, Scott. Thanks. Thanks. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription today. And Morgan Stanley, Global Sports and Entertainment. MorganStanley.com slash GSE balancedbridge.com as well. Secure your guarantees, set up a payment plan with no repayment penalties. balancedbridge.com. Got Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the SpotTrack Podcast.